I, I want to tell you that I'm so proud of my daughters because they read the word, they study the word, and I, I, I tell you what, my daughter Janine confirmed my message to me this week. I finished my message, and I didn't kind of have an opening, uh, I didn't have an opening text or, uh, or, or scripture, and she wrote on her Facebook this scripture, and I said, wow, this is the absolute scripture that I want to talk about today, Psalms 37, verse 23, and it says this. It says, if the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Wow. You know what that's saying? That's saying when, when God is, delights in your ways, remember, remember what we said. It's more important to do the will of God or, or know the ways of God so you can find the will of God. And, and this scripture says that when you are pleasing to God, and God delights in your ways. Even when you stumble, God will lift you back up again. Even when you make a mistake, God will lift you back up again. And he'll hold you up even when you're going through a difficult time. Why? Because you love him and you're pleasing to him. He says if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Amen? So we've been talking about finding the, the ways of God, understanding what is the ways of God. The ways of God is the way he thinks, the way he acts, the things he loves, the things he hates in life. And we, we want to align ourselves with God's ways so that we can find his will in our life. Because when you're walking in his ways, God sets up things in your life because the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. And last week we talked about making decisions without regrets. Today... And next week, I want to talk to you about what I call the three biggies in life. The three biggies in life. Marriage, marketplace, and ministry. Marriage, marketplace, and ministry. I want to talk about making some major decisions in our life. And you know what? The truth is, when it comes to marriage, some of us are scared to death of making the wrong decision. You know, I'm reminded of the story of a, a woman who died and she went to heaven, and guess who she met at the pearly gates? Peter. It's never Matthew. It's never John. It's never Bartholomew. It's always Peter at the pearly gate. Did you ever notice that? And Peter's hanging out at the pearly gate, and the woman comes, and she says, did I make it to heaven yet? And Peter said, no, not yet. She said, well, what, what do I have to do? He said, you just have to spell a word. She said, what word? He said, any word you want. She said, okay, love, L-O-V-E. He said, bam, bingo, you're in. Now, let me warn you, this is not theologically correct, all right? <laughs> so, so now she gets in, and, and Peter goes, can you do me a big favor? He said, I have to go to the restroom. He said, can you stand right here? And if somebody else comes in, just do the same thing that I do. Just ask them to spell a word. So she's hanging out. All of a sudden, who comes up? Her ex-husband. <laughs> and she says, what are you doing here? He said, I just had a heart attack, and I died. Am I in? Am I in heaven? She said, no, not yet. You have to spell a word. He goes, what word? She thought for a few moments, and then she said, spell Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory to God. But this morning, I, I, I want to share some biblical principles of finding the right person in our life. Now, if, if you recall a couple of weeks ago, 
I said something that some people are like, oh, what do you mean by that? You see, I believe that God gives us freedom to choose. And I don't believe that there's just one, absolutely one person in this world that we should marry. It doesn't make sense. What if that person died? <laughs> then the other guy that you married thinks to himself, yeah, I'm a poor slob that got this, you know, she settles for second best, right? So, so the truth of the matter is, is that there's not just one person that we can marry. And God is not so concerned about that one individual. Now, if you're married to that one person and you say that's your soulmate, you better believe it's your soulmate because when you said I do, he did. He made you one physically. You're one emotionally. But before that, you know, so many people, they're looking for that one perfect person, their soulmate, that one person in their life. And friend, let me tell you, you can, you can look hard and long and the truth is, God is not so concerned about that one individual. What he is concerned about, listen to me, is you finding the right kind of person. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, attraction is a very powerful thing. You know that God gave us the ability to be attracted to someone? You know, come on, you've done it, and I have done it. You see a couple, and you say to yourself, what does, what does she see in him? Right? Come on, you've done it. You've done it. I mean, you see this like really beautiful woman and, and the guy's like a doot doot, you know, I'm like thinking, what in the world? She's singing this guy, right? You know. And you you, you know, you you're looking at them and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm not sure if they make a good match, you know. But the truth of the matter is beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And not everybody likes the same thing. Some people like blue. Some people like black. Some people like yellow. Some people like red. Some people like big cars. Some people like small cars. Some people like tall people. Some people like short people. Some people like fat people. Some people like skinny people. Some people like hairy people. Some people like bald people. Some people like people with blue eyes. Some people like people with brown eyes. Some people like people that are white. Some people like people that are black. Some people like people that are pale. Some people like people that are tan. And God says, you know, he says, I don't really care. I don't care if you like blonde or brunettes, you know? Attraction is a very powerful thing, and God gave us that attraction. But here's the problem. When we choose a spouse based on physical attraction alone, we get ourselves in trouble. Why? Because beauty is fleeting. You know what that means? You're getting old. Beauty is fleeting. It's like a mist. It's here. It's gone. But God says there's something more important to look for in a person than just physical out of beauty. Now, that's important. You need to be attracted to one another. That's a good thing. You need to stay attractive to one another. You know, some of these guys, I can't believe it. I mean, they're really fit. They look good, skinny, and then they get married. Boom! I'm like, dude, what's up with that, man? Take care of yourself, you know? And, and, and so you need to be attractive but, 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 but the Bible says that there is, there is something else that we need to look for, inner attractiveness, inner beauty. And so, so we need to look for that right person in our life. You know, I'm reminded of, of Adam. You know, Adam, God creates Adam, and Adam's hanging out in the garden, and he thinks to himself, this is pretty good. You know, I, I can hang out all I want. I don't have to answer to nobody. 
He said, I got the animals. I tell the animals to do whatever they want, you know, do, do whatever I want them to do. And, you know, eat the fruit. And after a little while, he got really bored and he got tired. And he said to God, he said, God, I, I, really, I really need, a, I need somebody. I need companionship. So God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you the right person. This person is going to be the, the perfect person for you. And she is going to clean your clothes. She, she's going to rub your back and she's going to take care of you. When you get up in the middle of the night with a little ache in your leg, she's going to rub it with some tiger balm and she's going to treat you really, really good. So, so Adam said, whoa, that sounds really good. What is it going to cost me? God said, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what do I get for a rib? <laughs> what do you give me for a rib? <laughs> so so, so what, what, what do we need to look for when it comes to the right kind of a person? Well, write this down, and, and promise me this. If you're a grandma, write this down. See, here's the deal. This is so important. We need to pass on to our children and their children the principles found in God's Word. See, here's the problem. The problem is we're not passing it on to our children and their children. And they're making big mistakes in their life because we're not passing on the eternal, infallible, inerrant word of God to those that will go behind us and they don't know what to look for in their life. So I want you to write this down. In fact, I want you to go and buy the CD and give it to somebody. I want you to go online, www.bethlehemassembly.org. You can go online and you can access every sermon. You just go to the media part and you can podcast it. Or you can watch it again. And I want to encourage you, give it to someone. I want you, grandpa, grandma, moms and dads, I want you to take notes today. And I want you to give that to your grandchildren as a gift. Say, this is what God's word says about choosing the right kind of a person. So what does the Bible say about choosing the right kind of person? Listen to me, young person. Number one, the Bible says Christians should only marry Christians. That's what it says. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn with me if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul the Apostle says, Don't be bound together with unbelievers. For what does a righteous person have to do with an unbeliever? For what does light have to do with darkness? And what kind of fellowship can you have with an unbeliever? Because what do you have in common with an unbeliever. And Paul is using this word for yoked, for yoked. He says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever. When I think of a yoke, I think of eggs, but that's not what it's talking about at all. In fact, go to the next slide, and you'll see that Paul is using the reference of a yoke, and when you had to do some work around the, the big yard that you had, you'd take two oxen and you'd put them together and you'd yoke them together. Now, here's the problem. If the oxen weren't compatible to one another, they would actually pull apart from one another and rip their necks apart. Why? Because they didn't belong together. And as a result of that, one would go this way and the other would go this way. And the Bible says that we are not to be yoked together. That's a yoke. Yoked together with an unbeliever. Why? Because an, a believer has nothing in common with an unbeliever. Now, you might be here today and you might say, well, I come to church and I'm a Christian, but you know what? 
what? I get along with my boyfriend. He's not a believer. The reason why you get along with your boyfriend is because you're not red hot on fire for God. Because if you're red hot on fire for God and you're living according to the principles of God, you're walking in the light. And the Bible says if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you've got to ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do as he is in the light? Then you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. He said if you're really walking in the light, you'll find somebody that's walking in the light. You'll connect with that person and you'll walk the same path together. Come on, somebody say amen. He said, why? Because, because a believer, light has nothing in common with the darkness. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, you've got time, and you know what, I'm dating somebody, and you know, after a while, you know, he'll get saved, and you know, and, and I'll bring them to church, and you know, he'll learn about God, and he'll love God as much as I love God. Let me tell you something, he'll come to church, he'll tell you what you want to hear until the day you get married, and then he won't come back to church anymore. And you think to yourself, well, you know, I've, I've heard stories where it worked out okay. Yeah, one in a million. One in a million. And it breaks my heart to see the women who are sitting in church today without their husbands and vice versa because they didn't listen to this principle. Why? Because light doesn't have anything in common with darkness. You see, a Christian has different core values than a non-Christian. And what is a core value? A core value is what you do. You see, you value what you do and you, and you do what you value. And a Christian has core values. A Christian's core value is that God comes first in everything. He's number one. A Christian's core value is he loves God with all of his heart, with all of his resources, with all of his money, with all of his time, with everything that he has. He loves God. God is the center of his life, and he revolves around God. With an unbeliever, an unbeliever believes he's the center of life, and God revolves around him and his time. And really, when the rubber meets the road, and when you have to live according to your core values, the deepest core values of your life, you will find a great divide and a great separation at that point in your life. Believers and non-believers have different interests in mind. I mean, a believer likes to do certain things and an unbeliever likes to do certain things and so often it's opposed to one another. Unbelievers have no problem doing certain things, whatever they are, watching things, going certain places. And a believer, they've got the Holy Spirit living inside of them and it convicts them because they know, I can't do this. This is not where I want to be. They have different friends. And you know what? Let me tell you. We ought to befriend some non-Christians. I mean, you should befriend your neighbors and, and invite them into your house and share the gospel with them. It's the only way people are going to get saved is if we, we share the gospel with them. And God tells us that we are to reach out to the unbeliever, but God also tells us we're not to marry an unbeliever. Big difference. You see, a believer walks in the spirit. An unbeliever walks in the flesh. He's motivated. He's guided by his flesh. And the Bible says the unbeliever, the unspiritual person, cannot understand the principles of God's kingdom. You just read the Beatitudes. You read the Beatitudes. Jesus flips everything upside down. The Beatitudes say, blessed are those who are hungry for God. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what it means to be poor in spirit? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for God brings his kingdom. That means that you're humble. That means you put other people first. 
That means you love God with all your heart and God's principles and laws come first. So ask yourself, what are your core values? What are the things that you dream about in your future? And, and the people that you hang out with, what are their core values? And what are they dreaming about in the future? Let me tell you, if they're a non-believer, they're not thinking the same way as an on-fire believer is thinking about their future and about their core values. So people who are dating non-Christians often say, well, you know, he likes to go to bars and he likes to party, but after we get married, he won't do that anymore. Why? So, so Christians ought to always marry another Christian. And you need to have the courage to walk away from a relationship that you know is not of God. Because you're going to get hurt in the long run. Number two, we need to find people of character. The right kind of person is a person of character. Listen to me. It's not enough to find somebody who claims to be a Christian, you have to find somebody who's a person of character on the inside. You know, Paul the Apostle tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21 and on, he says, this is the characteristic of a person who's walking in darkness. This is the characteristic of an unbeliever. He's got hatred in his heart. He's got unforgiveness in his heart. He's got envy in his heart. He walks in the darkness. He walks in sin. But he said the fruit, the characteristic of a child of God is love, is peace, is joy, is patience, long-suffering, is faithfulness, is gentleness, is kindness, it's self-control. You see, so you need to look and see the person that I'm connecting with, do they have fruit? I'm talking about fruit on their tree, not in their loom. I shouldn't have said that. Do they have fruit on their tree? You know, what is fruit? Fruit is the character. A person who has character in their life. Does this person have love? What kind of love? Unconditional love. Agape love. That person's going to love you even though you tell them, I want to wait. That person loves you no matter what. Why? Because he's got God's kind of love. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has the ability to, to, to operate in the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And he's got unconditional love in your life. Why? Because you're going to change. I'm going to change. Circumstances are going to change in your life. And you need somebody who's going to love you no matter what to the day you die. Come on, somebody say amen. Love. Peace. You know, if, if, if you find somebody that doesn't have peace in their life, they're always agitated. They have no peace. They're not at peace with God. They're not at peace with themselves. You need to run like your house is on fire. Why? Because that person's going to be double-minded in all their ways. They, they have turmoil on the inside. They're not at peace. They don't know how to be still and know that he is God. And friends, let me tell you, the only way you get peace in your life is you, you stay with the one who's the prince of peace, and he gives you peace that passes all understanding. And that person that you're hooking up with, you need to see whether or not that person has peace in their life. Joy. You see, happiness is contingent on circumstances and and the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, people are looking for us to make them happy. You need to make me happy. I'm marrying you because you're going to make me happy. See, the truth of the matter is, is that there's no man, there's no woman that can make us happy. Only God can make us happy. Only God can give us joy. Now, let me tell you, my wife does please me. 
But ultimately, the truth of the matter is, is if I'm not a happy person, there's no person on the face of this earth that can make me happy. I will take and take and take and want more and want more. Why? Because I don't have the joy of the Lord. And friend, the joy of the Lord is a characteristic of the Spirit. It comes from God. And when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when you're, when you're going through difficult times in your life, when you get bad news in your life, it's the joy of the Lord that's deep down in your soul and your spirit that'll keep you happy happy in your life and you can't get it from a man joy love peace joy patience long-suffering kindness now let me tell you something nobility chivalry is not dead and if the young man's just not kind you know when you go out on a date and you go to the restaurant, and that young man doesn't treat that waitress right with respect, run like the, the house is on fire. Because he's just not kind. Gentleness and self-control. You see, the Bible, it, it, it helps us to understand that we have to look for people with certain characteristics. In fact, Proverbs 19, 14 says, a prudent wife is of the Lord. You know, when I was a kid, and we used to say, you're a prude. Remember that? How many of you are old enough to remember that? <laughs> yeah, like three of you in this room. <laughs> what it meant was is that person wasn't going to just do something stupid, just fly by the seat of their pants. They weren't going to just jump in bed with somebody without counting the cost. A prude was someone that said, listen, if I can't do the time, I'm not going to do the crime. A prudent person was a person with wisdom and discretion and self-control. That's what it means to be a prudent person. That's what it means to be prude. It means that you consider the cost of this decision that you're going to make. And listen, if I don't want to have a baby out of wedlock, I don't have sex before marriage. If I don't want to end up in jail, I don't do stupid things like steal a car or do something at a whim. Why? Because I'm a prude. Because I'm a prudent person. I have the wisdom and the discretion and the self-control to say, no, this is not a really good decision. And the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's not, not good for man to be alone. So marriage is a really good thing, but you don't find the first person that you're attracted to. You find a prudent person, a person of wisdom. Why? Because it's not just about getting married, but it's about getting married to the right kind of person. And so Proverbs chapter 31 says, find a wife of noble character. Proverbs 12, 4 says, find a wife of noble character and avoid a disgraceful wife. Let's turn it around. Find a young man of noble character, a hardworking young man of noble character, a discerning young man, a prudent young man, and avoid a disgraceful young man. The Bible says avoid a quarrelsome person. In fact, the Bible actually gives us warnings in the Proverbs about who we should embrace and who we should be connected to and who we should avoid in our life and you know what there's there's four kind of people that you should avoid in life the first kind of person you should avoid in your life is a man who lacks wisdom in other words run from a fool proverbs 14 7 says stay away from a foolish man for you will not find knowledge on his lips 
Why? Because from the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the young man doesn't know how to speak life, run from him. Proverbs 12, 15 says that a fool does what seems right to him and does not listen to advice. Proverbs 18, 2 says he delights in airing his own opinion. Did you ever meet a young man like that? I mean, he's like 15 years old, and he knows everything he needs to know about the world and everything about politics and everything else. And he's bah, 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 and he doesn't shut his trap to listen to somebody else. And he doesn't take advice because he knows it all. Friends, if you're dating somebody who's a know-it-all, who's not open to wisdom and counsel, run like the house is on fire. <laughs> Proverbs 23 says, he's quick to quarrel. The fool is quick to quarrel. Proverbs 28, 26 sums it up. That the basic problem with a fool or a foolish man is he does not walk in the wisdom of the word. <laughs> Let me tell you something, young lady. If a, if a young man really liked you, and he's a Christian and he goes to the church, give him the Bible, hand them the Bible, and give them the book of Proverbs and say, read all of the book of Proverbs, and if you really love me, memorize it, then come back and ask for my hand. <laughs> Make sure he reads all of the book of Proverbs to get the wisdom that he needs. Proverbs 29, 11 says, the fool gives full vent to his anger and he has no self-control. He's out of control. You know, the next kind of person that you need to avoid is a lazy person. Mm. Proverbs 19.15 indicates that the slugger is sleeping all the time, and thus he will go hungry. Proverbs says a little folding of the hands, a little slumber, a little sleep, and sudden destruction comes upon his life. Hey, young man, listen, you're dating a young lady. Listen, this is what you need to do. You need to go to her house, and you need to have dinner in her house. And if her mother's cooking the meal and her mother's cleaning the tables and that young lady's not getting up and helping, run like the house is on fire. <laughs> young lady, if you're dating a young man and he doesn't have a job, oh, he's going to school, he's going to high school, and he can't work because he's got to study. Hey, listen, I went to high school and I got a job when I was 11 years old. And I worked since, I've been working since I was 11 years old. I know how to roll up my sleeve and work hard. And friend, young lady, you need a man who's not worried about working. You need a man who's not lazy. And if that guy's lazy, run like the house is on fire. You want somebody that's a hard-working man. Somebody that's not afraid to work on his marriage. Somebody's not afraid to go to work and then go to church to, to be trained in the way he should live his life. He's not afraid to get out there and work on his own life. Why? Because he's a hard worker. Stay away from the person who will not take wisdom. Stay away from the lazy man. Stay away from someone who lacks self-control in their life. Romans 8 tells us that if we live according to the sinful nature, we're going to lack self-control. But if we live according to the Spirit, we're going to be controlled by the Spirit. And listen, stay away from the person who talks the big talk but walks the little walk. They can say all they want about how they love God, but it's the way they walk their walk that's going to determine whether or not they really are the right kind of a person. You know, this has been an exciting week for me, and, and the truth is I'm so blessed because... Mm, 
I, I've seen some really wonderful things in my family. My daughters are awesome. And next week, I can't wait to tell you what God's doing in my daughter Janine's life. Uh, but as I told you, we went to Disney World. And we had a very busy week. Well, <laughs> we went to Disney World, and we got one of those park hoppers. You know what I'm talking about? And when you, when you buy a ticket to Disney World, you're going to get all you can out of your money's worth. I mean, you're going to go to every ride. You're going to cut old ladies on the line because you want to make sure that you get all, them, all that you can out of the rides. Don't, don't get offended. I really didn't do that. So, so we went to Disney World. We got there like when the, when the park was open, you know, and we're like, we're going to get everything we can out of Disney World, you know. So I told you that my daughter, Julia, she told me she wanted to bring her boyfriend to Disney World. She wanted to surprise the young man with a birthday gift and a graduation gift. So I said, okay, let's hook up some tickets. Let's go to Disney World. So we went to Disney World, and we got into the park, and I could tell that my daughter and her boyfriend, they were trying to ditch the old people. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, like Daddy, you can go wherever you want. No, we'll stay with you. No, 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 you can go on whatever ride you want. And I caught on to it. Oh, I get it. You want to do your own thing, you know? You want to go wherever you want to go. Go ahead and go. So they went, and they went to do whatever they had to do. I said, just call me at like 12 o'clock. We'll see if we can have lunch. But you know what? I am really convinced every time they saw us, they ducked. They were like, get away from the old people. <laughs> like, you know. So we never bumped into them. And now it's like 9 o'clock and Epcot is closing. That's my favorite one of all. And Epcot is closing and I heard that they have this incredible fireworks display at Epcot. And so at, at, at the Magic Kingdom. So we get on the tram and we go back to the Magic Kingdom. And I'm tired. I'm like, oh, man, I've been standing on our, my feet all day long. It was, did I remind you that I, I did three services, four baby dedications. I went to the airport in the security line. We ran to the line. We got on the plane. We got off the plane. We had to wait for my daughter. Then we waited. And then the guy with the ticket and the thing. And then and we finally got in our room. We wake up early in the morning. We get to, we get to Disney World, and we're going on every line we can, and we're cutting all the old ladies on the line, and we're running, and we're trying to get all of our money worth out of the Disney experience. And now it's 1030, and we're standing in front of the castle, and I'm tired, but we're going to see this incredible fireworks display. And little did I know that Vinny and his wife and his <laughs> girlfriend... Um, <laughs> are on the other side of the castle. They don't want to be seen by us. So, so they're on the other side of the castle, and the fireworks are going off. And my wife says to me, she looks up at me. And she says, Steve, this is so romantic. She says, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody proposed to their girlfriend during the fireworks display? She said, would you marry me? I said, honey, we're already married. Well, little did I know that Vinny, my, girl, my, my daughter's boyfriend, is on the other side of the castle. And when my wife's looking at me like this, will you marry me? Vinny's on his knees proposing to my daughter, Julia, to get married. So Julia got engaged this week. Come on, somebody help me out. And, and, and I don't know anything about it, right? 
So we walk out of the park and I'm exhausted. I went on every ride that I could. I cut every old lady that I could. And I'm tired. And I want to go back to the bus. And, and we're waiting for Julia. And we're waiting and we're waiting. Finally she comes out. And she comes out and she's all giddy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, honey, did you drink something? What happened? She goes, oh, daddy. Oh, daddy, I have to tell you something. I said, tell me on the bus. I want to go. No, daddy. I got to tell you right now. I got to get it. <laughs> And my wife goes, ah! <laughs> and my daughter says, Daddy, you're not happy. I said, listen, Julia, women and men, they react a lot different. Women are like, ah! Men are like, how much is this going to cost me? I said, I said, please. <laughs> Let the shock wear off a little bit, you know. Give me a day or so, you know. But, but let, me, let, me, let me just tell you. L let me just tell you how incredibly excited I am for Vinny and Julia. And I'm going to tell you why I'm so excited for Vinny and Julia. And I told my daughter, I said, I couldn't be any happier. I said, I am thrilled for you. Let me tell you why. You see, when, when my daughter Julia was 14 years old, and I'm talking about seeking wisdom, you see, when you look for somebody, you look for somebody that's not a know-it-all, who's open to the counsel and the wisdom of people that have been there before, people that are in authority. Young lady, when you look for a man, look for a man who's being mentored by a, an older godly man. And Vinny was being mentored by an older godly man. Young man, look for a young lady who's being mentored by an other, another lady who's a godly lady. And Vinny, he's open to counsel. How do I know that? Well, let me tell you why. When my daughter was 14 years old, she, she went to this school uh, most of her life. And, and, and by the way, I asked Julia for permission to share this with you. And she was 14 years old, and Vinny also came to the Christian school. His parents are great Christians. They, they sent him to the school as well. And she was 14 and he was 16. And she comes home one day and she says, Oh, Daddy, I met a boy. I said, Honey, you're 14 years old and we ain't even talking about this. I said, You're not going to date anyone. You're not going to court anyone until you're 18 years old. And so we just left it at that, you know. And one Friday I was studying for my sermon, and you know, I needed a break. It was a God moment. God made me take that break. And so I got up from my desk, and I said, you know, I need to take a little walk. And so I was walking down, my office is down the block, and I was walking down the, the sidewalk, and I looked into my buddy's bakery, and there is Julia and Vinny and a couple of their friends, and Vinny's got his arm around my daughter. Now, now, you have to understand something. I, I am a pastor, but I'm also a father. And I'm a father first, and I'm an Italian father. And, 
and, and let me tell you something. One time when I was preaching, I was in the anointing, came out of the anointing for five minutes. And some of you were here and you remember that. And I said, listen, young men, when you come to my house to date my daughters, there's going to be two items on the coffee table. There's going to be a big family Bible and there's going to be a big bat. And if you don't listen to the Bible, you'll listen to the bat. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the anointing of God again. And I went back to preach. And my poor daughters, they'd say, Daddy, please, they don't even want to, they don't even want to look at us. They're so afraid. I'm an Italian father. So I see them, and he's got his arm around 16, she's 14. So I, I tell my daughter, come over here. She comes out of the, 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 the bakery, and she says, Daddy, she says, punish me now. I said, honey, you'll, when we get home, I'll take care of you. I said, I got some business to take care of. I went back to the school, and I stood in front of the only door in which Vinny would have to come back and walk into that door. <laughs> and I stood there. And you know, I'm a nice man, but I put on my Italian father mean look. <laughs> so he comes walking up to the door and he goes, pa Pastor Malazzo, I'm sorry. I said, Vinny, don't touch my daughter again. I said, don't ever touch my daughter again. He goes, I'm sorry. I said, well, we're cool, we're cool. Went home. My daughter was not allowed to talk to Vinny on the phone. And he was not allowed to come to my house for two years. Now, you might think that was being really strict. But this is where the, the story really becomes interesting and fabulous. She wasn't, she wasn't allowed to date Vinny, see Vinny, outside of school. And I knew they were seeing each other in school. I'm not dope. You know? So I know she got a little taste of Vinny in school. I get that, you know. You see, when, when, when you're a pastor and an Italian pastor and you pastor over the school as well, you tell the principal to put cameras in her room, baby. <laughs> and I got a direct line on my computer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Big Dad is watching. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know. And, and, and so, so they weren't allowed to date. And it was amazing because they, they obeyed. And at, at uh, 16 years old, I had a conversation with, with Julia. And Julia said, you know, I, I really like this young boy. He's a Christian. He's a good kid, Dad. Would you let me at least see him? I said, you know what? And I said, he can come to the house when somebody's home. You're not allowed to be alone for any reason. And Jenna, my third daughter, anytime you have to go out, she's going to be your chaperone. After two years, Jenna was like, please, Daddy, no more. <laughs> and let me tell you, for two years, Vinny and my daughter Julia respected my wishes, and they honored God. My daughter Julia is a godly woman. Vinny is a godly young man who, who was mentored by a godly man, and I'm sure they had conversations, and I'm sure Vinny was like, you know what, that's not fair, and the godly man said, you do the right thing, and one day God will honor you and bless you. And so now Julia's 17 and a half, and Vinny's 18 and a half, 19 years old, and Julia comes to me one day, and she says, Daddy, we've done everything you asked. You know, Jenna's followed us everywhere we've gone. <laughs> We haven't been alone with each other, and we've, we've done everything you've asked us to do. I really like this young boy. Can I call him my boyfriend? 
you know, I don't call them boyfriends. I call them your man friend. <laughs> and so, so I said, I'll tell you what. Let me pray about it. You guys have been really good, and you've obeyed me, and you've honored God in obeying your parents. And I know God has blessed this relationship, and you love the Lord. You're involved in a youth group. You're being mentored, and God is going to really bless you. She said, look, I'm 17 and a half years old. I know you don't allow us to date till I'm 18. She says, would you at least pray about it? I said, that's fair enough. I said, you've done really good, and I'm going to pray about it, and I'll let you know in six months my decision. <laughs> and I went into my prayer closet, and I said, God, I said, I love my daughter, and I want her to find your ways. And do your will. Give me wisdom right now. And I went back to my daughter and I said, Julia, here's the deal. If you want to start courting this young man, then here's what you have to do. You have to read two books. You have to read every young girl's battle, every young lady's battle on sexual temptation. He has to read every young man's battle on sexual temptation. And you both have to read I Kiss Dating Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a book on courting not on dating and the difference between dating and courting is dating is you kick the tire around you hang out with one another for a little while and you break the young lady's heart because you don't like her and you don't want to marry her and courting is all about you being in in a, in a situation where you're being mentored, you know the Word of God, you love God with all your heart, and you feel like this could be the right person. And because you've gotten counsel, the Bible says, in the counsel of many, and because you've respected your parents and you honor their counsel, then you come back to your parents and say, I need your blessing to go forward. And so she said, deal. We'll read the book. I said, not only that, I said, but I will read the book. Mommy will read the, the book. And, and then then Vinny's parents will have to read the books and then we'll come together together listen to me this is awesome and we'll come together and we'll pray together as families and we'll let you know whether or not we think it's the time and we'll give you our blessing and guess what they said we will do it Vinny read the book in a half a day <laughs> And, and, and then we got together and we blessed the relationship. And see, that's why I can be filled with joy today. That's why when my daughter shows me the ring and I think about all of the money it's going to cost me, I can still be happy. <laughs> because I know it's a great investment. Because these young people, they were willing to do it the right way. And when they're willing to do it the right way, in God's timing, with God's wisdom, and they're willing to be open to the wisdom of others and the counsel of others, I believe, they're not perfect, but I believe God's going to bless a relationship like that. And so you're here today and you're thinking, how do I find the right kind of a person? Lord, this decision of marriage scares me to death. Friend, I want you to know that if you are the right person, chances are you're going to find the right person. See, because light attracts light. And darkness attracts darkness. So you say, I'm looking for the right person. 
I'm looking for the right kind of a person. And God's saying to you today, if you want to find the right kind of a person, look in the mirror. Because before you can find the right kind of a person, you got to be the right kind of a person. And when you're so in love with God, and you're so in love with His Word, that young man is going to be attracted to the beauty that is not only on the outside, but is attracted to the beauty that is on the inside. When you're a godly man, when you're a young man who's a man of nobility, chivalry, and character, that young lady, even though she might not think you're the hottest looking guy in the whole world, she's going to look past that. And she's going to look at the character that's within your heart and in your life. And God's going to take two people that are the right kind of people and put them together. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you raise your hands and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. And so we're here this afternoon and we say, God, help me to be the right kind of person. I, I feel today, I feel led of the Holy Spirit today. You can put your hands down. I feel led of the Holy Spirit today to direct my comments and my challenge first to young people in this place. You know, maybe you're here today and if you died today, you don't know for certain that you'd go to heaven. Jesus died on the cross so that you might have eternal life. And you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. In a few moments, we're going to have a lot of people at the altar and a lot of action, but... In a few moments, I'm going to ask the altar workers to come, and they're going to pray for you. If you have any needs, after we pray that last final prayer, stay around the altars. Stay with us. And, and, and I want you to go to one of these workers and ask them for the material you need to find out how you can have peace with God and have assurance of His salvation. Maybe you are sick in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in your body. They, they want to pray for you about that. But right now, I want to direct my comments and challenges to young people. You see, listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. You want to find the right person, the right kind of person in your life? Then you need to surrender your love life to God. Say, God, my love life is, is yours. I bring it to the altar, God, and I say, God, you do whatever you want in my life. You see, my beautiful wife, I've been married for 30 years to my wife, Lisa. We got married when we were one years old. Well, she was two. And, and when we met, we were 19 years old, and I wasn't serving the Lord, and she wasn't a Christian. We actually met when we were 17. When I was 19, I gave my life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus, and she was water baptized. And I loved Lisa, and I knew I was going to marry her. Two weeks after I saw her, I said, man, this is the kind of woman I wanted to marry. And then it took me three years to really find out the kind of character, whether she was the right kind of person in my life. And I'll never forget, I was, I was called by God into the ministry. 
And God said, I want you to surrender your whole life to me. I want you to surrender your work. I want you to surrender your future. I want you to surrender everything because I'm going to use you in a mighty way. And I remember going to Lisa and I said to Lisa, Lisa, I love you and I want to marry you. Hey, what are you doing for the next 50 years of your life? You know what I mean? Like, you don't mind. I'd like to marry you or something. I said, you know, Lisa, I want to marry you. I said, but I want you to know that God comes first in my life. Not second. God comes first. And I know that God has the right kind of person for me. And if you're the right kind of person, then you will follow me as I follow Christ in the ministry. But you've got to know this one thing, that my life is set on doing God's will. I want to do it God's way. And I'm going to commit my whole life to God. And if you don't want that life, even though I love you, I'm willing to let you go. I'm willing to let you go. She looked at me. She says, honey, you're so hot. I'll follow you. No, no, she didn't say that. <laughs> we got on our knees and we said, God, we're willing to make you first in our life. And Lord, we're willing to even give up each other, Lord God, to make sure that we're putting you first in our life. And so, young person, you're here today and you say, you know what? I want God. I want God's best for my life. I want to meet the right kind of person. Then today, you need to make a commitment to be the right kind of a person. And so, you're here today and you say, I want to be the right kind of person. I want God to work in my life. I want God to fill me with His Spirit. I want to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. I want to do God's will. I want you to get out of your seat right now, young person, and meet me right here. I want to pray for you right now. I want to be the right kind of person. Come on, meet me right here, young person. Say yes. I want to be the right kind of person. I want you to get out of your seat right now and say yes. I'm willing to lay down my love life. I'm willing to give my love life to God. Come on, come on. I know many of you are going to come. You're just going to start coming out of your seat right now. I want to lay my love life down to God. Hallelujah. I want God to be first in my life. I want you to get out of your seat right now and say, I'm laying down my love life. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Laying down my love life. I'm giving my love life to God. He calls the shots. He tells me what to do. And I'm going to be the right kind of a person. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? You need to come. You know what? Pull it in a little bit more, young person. Pull it in a little bit more. Come on. Come on. Because some more of the young people are going to come. They're kind of like, uh, I don't know if I want to get out of my seat. Listen, if you can't serve God in this room, you can't serve God out there. And if you can't stand for God, you're going to fall for anything and anyone. So I'm going to give you an opportunity again. I want to turn my love life over to God. I want to find the right kind of man. I want to find the right kind of girl. I want to be the right kind of person. I want you to get out of your seat and come. Come on. Now, you're not a young person. You're a single. And you've been waiting on God. And you've been asking God for His will in your life. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've had a hard situation in your life. Why don't you take your love life, surrender it to God. Say, God, I'd rather, listen to me, I'd rather be single for the rest of my life than to meet the wrong kind of person in my life. 
And God, I'm willing to surrender my love life to you today. I'm a single adult. You're not a young person. You're a single adult. I want you to get out of your seat right now. Come up here and say, yes, I'm willing to surrender my love life to God. Come on. Who wants to come today? Come on. 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 Let me tell you something. When my daughters were little girls, I would pray for my daughters. And I would pray for their boyfriends, their husbands, when they were little girls. When, why? Because I knew that day would come. When my daughter Julia would be like, <laughs> and my daughter Jeanine would be like, <laughs> and, Jen, and I'd say, you know what? I want them to be giggling, and I want them to be giddy over the right kind of a person and I want God to bless them and I'm going to start praying today for their husband and so if you're a, a parent in this room and you love your kids and you want to be the right kind of a person so that they can see a model in their life and you want to pray for your children that they would meet the right person I want you to get out of the seat right now and come and stand behind these young people right here say I'm going to stand for my children I'm gonna stand for my children and I'm gonna pray for them well, what can we do number one you listen to me listen to me dad you want your girls to find the right kind of man well I I want my daughters to marry the best I want my daughter to marry a man who's not gonna abuse her I want my daughter to marry a man who's going to be a hard worker. I want my daughter to marry a man who will take care of her and treat her like gold. But let me tell you something, man. You want your daughter to find a man like that? You be that right kind of man so she can find the man because she's going to look at you and she's going to say, that's the kind of man I want to marry. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. A lot of young women, a lot of girls, they marry the exact replica of what their father is so I've been spending my whole life opening the door for my wife I've been spending my whole life loving my wife you know why because I want my daughters to say that's the kind of man I'm gonna look for that's the kind of man I want to marry you know what we want them to marry the right kind of man the right kind of mother the right kind of father we need to be the right kind of people are you with me are you with me? Let's pray right now. I'm going to ask you, listen to me. I'm going to ask you to do something. Last week we did it, the week before. I want you to cup your hand like this, young people. Yeah. You're a beautiful young lady. You know that? You've got some smile, man. Tell you what. You guys are beautiful. You're beautiful too. Yeah, you. You're beautiful. <laughs> you're handsome. I love young people. I love young people. I love young people. I want you to put your hands, everybody like this. Moms, dads, everybody. And this is what I'm going to ask you to pray. And don't, don't pray this prayer unless you mean it, young person. I mean, this is an emotional service and I, I was kind of funny and I pulled you up here. But you know what? This is a vow you're taking before the Lord. You're praying a prayer and the Bible says better, better not to pray the vow than to pray the vow and not to keep it. But you know what? God will give you strength to keep it. I promise you, God will give you strength. 
to keep that vow that you make it for the Lord. God will give you strength. But here's what I want you to, to pray. Listen to me before you pray it. Jesus, you're so good. You're the right man. You're the right kind of man. And you've modeled for me, Jesus, what it means to be the right kind of person. And Jesus, I ask you to today to help me to be the right kind of person so that I can be attractive to the right kind of person. And God, help me to do that with your power and your strength, God. I trust you and I lay down my love life to you. Whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're married. Hey, friends, if you're married, you didn't lose your love life. You got a love life. And you need to live your whole life, spending the rest of your life making sure that you're becoming the right kind of person in that marriage. I want to encourage you, before we pray that prayer, I want to encourage you that after the service, there's a group of people downstairs, and we're starting a marriage, many marriage small groups. And I want to encourage you to get into a marriage small group so that you can learn how to be the best, the right kind of person. Let's pray right now. Come on, raise your hands together like this. I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're the right kind of man. And you have modeled for me the right kind of man. Lord, I ask you today to make me the right kind of person. Help me to be open to wisdom. Help me to be open to counsel. Help me to be open to your word and your ways. I surrender my life. I surrender my love life to you, Lord. And I won't take matters into my own hands. I'll wait as long as I need to wait. And I'll be with your help, the right kind of person. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's awesome. You know what I feel? I feel like this is a hugging moment. Come on, hug somebody today. Hug a young person. Tell them you love them. You're praying for them. God bless you.